Uh, Luke chapter 16, we'll start in verse 19. Very familiar passage. Uh, and, and I want to, uh, you know, there's a question that this world has struggled with forever. Uh, what happens after you die? And if you ask people today, what happens after you die? You're going to get different answers, aren't you? You're going to get all kinds of answers. What will they say? A lot of people will say nothing happens. You just cease to exist. You're done. You close your eyes. That's it. You know, there's small groups of people that say you'll come back. Either as another person, they have a fancy word for it, you'll reincarnate as another person, or maybe even an animal. You know, if you were a good person, you'll be a good animal. If you weren't, uh, you won't be a good animal. I don't know, whatever. Uh, that sounds pretty crazy, even just saying it. Uh, but most people, if you ask them today, where are you going after you die? What are they going to say? I'm going to heaven. Or paradise or nirvana, some, some name for the same thing. You know, they think they're going to a good place after they die, most people. And if you bring up hell, what do they say? It doesn't exist, right? It's, it's a, you know, even though the Bible talks about it, there's no way it could be literal, physical, exactly what the Bible says. You know, there, there's no way. But here's the problem. We've got so many opinions on what happens right after you die. How do we know the truth? How do we know? See, we can't, you go to the scientist, we can't run an experiment on what happens after you die. It doesn't work. They can't tell us, right? And, and again, you, you can't go to interview anybody that's really died. Now, people will say they have, but we can't interview somebody that's completely died and ask what happened after that. So we, there's no way of knowing. Well, and, and one of the reasons we know people can't die a whole bunch of times, Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You know, the only person that can answer the question, what happens after you die, is God. That's it. The only one that can truly tell us the truth. And aren't you glad that Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. And while he was on this earth, he gave us the answer to this question. What happens after you die? Now, this is a very familiar passage. So what you probably already know what I'm about to say. We've got to slow down, right? We got to slow down. You, as soon as I start reading it, you look at it, you'll know what we're talking about. But let's slow down and dig deep into it. Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember thou uh, that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they uh, which would pass from hence to you cannot and neither can they pass to us which would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that they may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. 
And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, help me to be able to preach this. Lord, help open up our ears and our hearts to the truth. Lord, there's no uh, greater subject than what happens after this life. And Lord, I pray uh, that if there are any lost, any unsure today, that they would come to know you. And Lord, I pray that you touch hearts. Lord, uh, uh, whether it's here in person or online or, or listening later, Lord, we know that your Holy Spirit can touch and you can save no matter where they're at. And Lord, that's what we're praying for for today. Lord, help me. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name and amen. amen. So Jesus begins the story by talking about two people. He says in verse 19, there was a certain rich man and a certain beggar named Lazarus. And you know, Jesus often taught in parables. We know this. He taught uh, many different parables, but in all of those instances, he never gave a specific name. So people will say, well, this is a parable. And I will say, well, I don't think so. Because he says there was, right, a certain rich man. And then there's Lazarus. So we see he is talking about actual people here. And it starts off, there was a certain man, rich man was clothed in purple and fine linen. And in those days, we don't think too much about, well, I'm wearing purple today. Didn't even put that together. But uh, today, it's easy to make purple. They can make it with no problem. But in those days, they had to get a certain type of snail and get a whole bunch of them from the Mediterranean Sea. They had to smash them and get a little bit of purple dye to come out. And it would have cost a huge amount of money. In fact, they estimate it could have cost, and this seems crazy, seventy-five dollars to $100,000 to make one purple robe. Only kings wore that. Only kings wore purple because it was so expensive. And you're thinking, Mike, there's no way that that, that could have been true. There's no way. Let me ask you this question. Are there people today that have an outfit that costs that much? You bet. You bet. You can, I, I'm telling you, I had to do research uh, uh, when I was at the bank before, and I was looking at uh, one of these clothing companies that was selling ridiculously expensive clothing, and I'm telling you what, it looked like a mess. I'm like, I don't know why somebody would buy it, let alone pay that much. It was crazy, but people do, right? Spent just a, a ridiculous amount of money. And that he wore that stuff every day. That's what he said, clothed in fine linen. And then not only that, uh, verse 19 at the end, he fared sumptuously every day. He ate gourmet food, exotic food. And now we may stop and say, well, okay, I've got, I've got that. That makes sense. No, in this day, most people would have only ate meat once a week. Meat. I'm not talking about fancy food. I'm just talking about meat once a week. That's how, that's the regular, uh, uh, what we would call just poverty. That's, that's what, and he ate that way every single day. So we see he's a rich man. He's an extremely wealthy man is what he is. So we've got to realize that uh, uh, right from the beginning. And then in verse 20, there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at, uh, at his gate full of sores. 
So again, there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, a real person. Uh, he, he's there at the, uh, the gate, the edge. Uh, and in fact, uh, they, they laid him there. He couldn't get around. He was full of sores. Uh, he had no food. He was helpless. He was homeless. Uh, and, and we see it's talking about the dog's necks that would lick his sores. Uh, so either he was unable to shoo them away or that was the only relief he got. He couldn't afford the ointment or the treatment or the medicine or anything of those days. He was literally that rich, or that, I'm sorry, that poor. In verse 21, and desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. And see, when we read that, I don't know about you, I come up with a picture, right? Uh, I think of a table like we've got downstairs. You know, you, the kids, they make a mess, of course, when they're eating. There's crumbs, there's food everywhere, and he's picking up those little crumbs. That's not what they're talking about right here. In this day, remember, there's no napkins, there's no silverware, there's none of that stuff. They ate with their hands, right? He was so wealthy that the really wealthy people would do what they would do is they didn't have a napkin, so they would take bread and they would use that bread to wipe their hands off with and just throw the bread away. I, I, we're thinking of a rich man. I don't think our minds aren't really putting together how rich he was. Can you imagine someone baking a loaf of bread uh, and then maybe eating one of them and another one? He's done eating. He breaks it apart, wipes his hands with it, gives it back to the servant, and the servant throws it away in the trash heap. That's what we're talking about. Lazarus was waiting for the bread that he wiped his hands with because that's all the food that he would get. You see how... You see how big, uh, there's a huge contrast here. He's extravagantly wealthy, we would say. Lazarus is deathly sick, extremely poor. These two men couldn't be more opposite. But they had something in common. Verse 22, what happened? They both died. And here, uh, and, and they were, uh, it came to pass, the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died uh, and was buried. So see, they both die. And that's the reality. All of us face death. And, and I've told you before, you talk to people in this life about, uh, about death. They don't want to mention it. They don't want to think about it. They want to change the subject. But in all reality, uh, the, the Bible says, James 4.14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. Uh, our lives are so short. And, and that verse starts with, you don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I already mentioned from Hebrews, the Bible says we all have an appointment for death. We're not going to skip it. We're not going to reschedule. We're not going to show up late. There's a time when we'll die. And when that time comes, that's it. And if the story stopped there, we couldn't answer the question. Remember what happens after you die? But aren't you glad he starts to answer that? Jesus keeps going for the for Lazarus. He goes and he's carried into paradise. But look at verse 23. Here's what happens to the rich man. He, after the rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes. 
being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So as soon as that rich man dies, he opens up his eyes and he realizes where he's at. He's, he's in a place of torment. He, he had a, you know, he had a fancy house. You know, he had servants. You know, he had all these things and had everything that he wanted. But just like that, he went to a place of torment. And really, do you see what happened? They traded places, right? Lazarus on this earth was poor, was being tormented, his body, he was sick. There was no relief uh, or anything like that. While the rich man fared sumptuously, he ate well, he had every luxury, there was nothing he needed, uh, uh, he had it all. But as soon as death came, they switched places. Do you see that? And here's what he says, verse 24. The rich man, he's cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. And I don't know about you, but it drives me crazy when I hear people talk about hell because they're always joking about it, aren't they? Right? Oh, I'll meet you there. Oh, save me a seat. Oh, when we get there, we'll share a couple beers uh, and everything else. We'll have a big party. We'll do this. We'll do that. Oh, oh, surely I'm going there. I mean, it's just a big joke to this world. Yet when that rich man opened up his eyes, it wasn't a joke to him. And in fact, he said, if Lazarus would just take, I mean, think about it. Just the tip of his finger touch water. So just there was one drop and it would touch his tongue. He says that would be mercy. One drop of water would be mercy. Even if that's all he ever got was that one drop. That's how bad it is. It's hard to even explain it. But it was a harsh reality. That rich man went from faring sumptuously, wearing purple and everything else, having servants bring him uh, tons of food imported every day. Now he's being burned and there's no mercy. You know what he didn't ask Lazarus to do? Go get me a couple beers, right? right. He didn't say that. Just a, just a drop of water. You know what else I noticed? That rich man doesn't mention another person in hell. I don't see where there's congregations together, where they're talking together, where they're recognizing one another in the entire Bible. And it talks about hell a lot. I don't see one time where they're communicating with each other. In fact, he has no name. Oh, he had a big name when he was on this earth. He's got no name anymore. Well, why would he need one? Mm. There is no party. So here we see, but you see his mindset. He's almost acting, well, you, you send Lazarus over as if he's his servant. Even though while he was alive, he refused to help him. But that tells us a detail right there. He knew who Lazarus was. See, some people will say, well, he was at the gate. He just ignored him. He didn't you know, realize he was there. No, he knew his name. And I believe we'll get more details as we go on. Verse 25, this is Abraham's response. He said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us, uh, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass uh, to us, which would come from thence. So what he's saying, he's saying, hey, you were. 
rich during your life. Lazarus was poor. You received good things. He suffered. And like I said, in death, they traded places. But do you see what verse 26 says? Let's look at it again. It says, after you work off your sin for so many years, then all of a sudden you can go into heaven, right? Once your family prays for you enough and loved ones pray for you enough, then you'll get out of there and you can go to heaven, right? Isn't that what it says? Or once enough money's raised for you, given to the church, uh, or once they go back and uh, baptize you uh, for the dead, like some of them do, uh, I won't name names, but out in Salt Lake, uh, they'll baptize you after you're dead and I'll bring you from one place to the other. It's not there. It's not there. Abraham is very clear in saying nobody can go from where Lazarus is to where you're at, and nobody can go from where you're at to Lazarus. There's a call fixed. Nobody's crossing it. Ever. Ever. It's permanent. It's permanent. That's what he says right there. Nobody's passing back and forth. And here's the thing. Even if Lazarus wanted to dip the tip of his finger to give you mercy, he couldn't. And that's the truth of what happens after you die. There's two locations, two places to spend eternity. No more second chances, no switching places. Once you die, the decision is set right there, the way you died. You either die uh, in Jesus Christ, saved by him, trusting him for salvation, or you die without Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Just imagine yourself, one day you and I are going to die as well. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know any details, but we're not promised tomorrow. I mean, you know, sometimes you look at your age and say, well, people live into about their 70s or 80s, so I've got this many, you know, decades left. No, we're not promised tomorrow. People die young, they die old. But I want you to imagine for a second, you are nearing the point of death. You're right at death's door. You're dying. You're struggling to breathe. That strength is slipping away. The last little bit that you have, your eyes are getting heavy. Your heart is slowing down. Your breathing is getting labored uh, and, and hard and struggling. And then finally you take your last breath. And then a little bit later, your heart beats for the last time. And then suddenly you're dead. As soon as you die, you will open your eyes in one of these two places. Right. That quick. Yeah. You will. And you know what's sad? Is for the same person that took their own life, wanting to escape the pain of this world, if they're without Jesus Christ, they're going to open their eyes in torments just like the rich man. And instead of escaping whatever problem they had on this earth or thought they had, they're going to have even more problems and no hope. That's the truth. That's not the truth Mike made up. That's the truth Jesus Christ said. Everything I'm reading today is in red. He said this. This is what happens after death. Let's go on. So once he realizes that, the certain rich man says in 27, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So he's saying, he's realizing, I can't escape this. I'm here forever. I can't change locations. So he has another request. Send Lazarus back from the dead 
go to my brothers and tell them the truth. Right? That's what he's saying. Testifying to them so that they don't come here too. See, a lot of people will read this story and they'll say, oh, it's easy. Right? If you're rich, you're going to hell. If you're poor, you're going to heaven. No. How poor was Abraham? Oh, he had servants, cattle, land. He was rich. It wasn't a rich and poor thing. No. But you know what I I realized? Every detail in the Bible is important. And if you want to know the truth out of any story, remember what I said, you got to slow down. Because... If, if you read this story and say, well, only rich people go to heaven, that contradicts the Bible. What it says about salvation, who's going to heaven? We, we've already said it. You're only going to heaven if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If he's paid for your sins on the cross, if you've admitted you're a sinner, you repented and you called on his name for salvation. If you're, it, it, That's the only way you're going to heaven. But I noticed about this certain rich man, we get little details. He knew who Abraham was. Right? He saw Abraham and knew who he was. And you know what he calls him? Father Abraham. You know what that tells me? He was religious. Oh, he was rich, but he was religious. Father Abraham. He's probably a Jew. And and he's saying, hey, I'm a Jew. And then you know what he's saying about Lazarus? Not only does he know his name, but look at verse 28, that he may testify unto them. He knew that Lazarus had a testimony about who? About God. It's right in there. Because he's saying, you send Lazarus back. And if Lazarus will tell them his testimony and they see somebody risen from the dead, they'll believe it. They'll change and they won't come here. You see what he's saying? So it's not the fact that he's rich. And that's why he's in hell and Lazarus is poor. We've got a certain rich man that was religious without God. And we've got Lazarus who had a testimony. And his his name means God's my helper. He had a testimony and the rich man had heard it, but it never moved him in his life. But he said, you go tell, you go tell them. But the sad thing is, he knew that Lazarus' testimony wasn't enough. He said, you've got to send him back from the dead and tell the testimony. Then they'll listen. Then they'll put it together. They need to see a miracle, right? And what's Abraham say? Verse 29, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them, right? They only had the Old Testament at that point. But he said, hey, You've got the whole Old Testament. That's what they've got. Let them hear the scripture. That's the same thing today. For someone saying, I need to see a miracle. I need to see something great happen before I'll come to Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus will tell you? You've got the whole Bible. It's right here. Everything you need to know about the Lord, about the gospel, about salvation, about sin. It is all right here. If you won't believe this. It doesn't matter if lightning comes down and strikes. He said, you've got this right here. That's got to be enough. Right? You've ignored the Bible. You'll end up in hell. It's plain and simple. 
You cannot go to heaven without believing the Bible. Because it is Jesus Christ. It's his word. So even in the Old Testament, it spoke of the coming Messiah. The Gospels give us his name. It's Jesus. It tells us the virgin birth, his sinless life, his message, how he healed, how he did all these things, and how he was unjustly uh, convicted. Uh, He died on the cross for our sins voluntarily. And he's saying, hey, uh, he was buried. He rose on the third day according to the scriptures. And if we would just repent and trust in that, we could be saved. But he goes on, verse 30. The rich man, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Verse 31, and he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I don't know about you. I read that last verse and it's hard to read. Do you see what he's saying? Jesus is saying, if they won't listen to this Bible, If they won't believe what this Bible says, it doesn't matter if someone comes back from the dead, they won't believe it. You know what the very next miracle Jesus did after this? Lazarus. Remember? His friend waited to the fourth day. Remember they said three days you could still come back, but the Jews said day four it was done. They're gone. There's no sense. Jesus waited to the fourth day on purpose to show them he was God. He wasn't just waking them up. They weren't just swooning. They weren't in a coma or anything like that. He was done. And what did he do? He goes to that tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he does. And what happens after that? Some believe. And then another group goes and tells the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are furious. And they are saying, we have got to kill him. They're wanting to plot to kill Jesus Christ. That's when it got really serious. They're saying, hey, if he does this, everyone's going to believe. No, they won't. Jesus already told them. Even if one raised from the dead, they could go to Lazarus' house and see him and talk to him. They still didn't believe. Why? Because they rejected the Bible. They rejected Jesus' word. They rejected all of that. And guess what? 2,000 years later, after the cross, right? After Jesus died, after he was buried, after he rose from the dead, what are we doing today? We are preaching, teaching, witnessing the empty tomb that he's alive, he's not dead anymore, he rose from the dead, and that's how we know the sacrifice was accepted, and that's how I can put my trust, I'm not putting my trust in a dead man today, I'm putting my trust in a God who's alive, and he's alive forevermore, and he's going to come back to get me, and when I'm praying to him, he hears me because he's alive, what a way to prepare place for me and not for me only but for everyone that believes on him and I'm thankful for that but I'm here to tell you what are we doing today we're preaching about a man that came to this earth that was God that died and he came back from the dead and what happens they don't believe it they don't believe it look at what Jesus said again if they hear not Moses and the prophets neither will they be persuaded Though one rose from the dead. He's talking about himself too. Even if I, even when I'm risen from the dead, they still won't believe it. That's why you've got to trust. That's why it takes faith. You've got to trust in Jesus Christ. 
So as we wrap up, the rich man made a name for himself on this earth. His wealth would have been extravagant. It would have been well known. Today, they would have put him in a list of billionaires, uh, you know, and everything else. Uh, People would have liked him for his money. Uh, And when he died, they probably would have thrown a huge funeral. They would have buried him in a fancy grave, just like Joseph of Arimathea. They probably would have cut it out of rock, uh, laid him in there, everything sparing no expense. But as soon as he died, he opened up his eyes in hell. His name was gone. And he didn't need it anymore. In torments. That's what it says over and over again. Waiting for the day. For the day. That hell and death would be emptied. And small and great would stand before the great white throne. And Jesus Christ sitting on it. And they'd stand before him. Without excuse. Without their names in the Lamb's book of life. And they'll come out of hell. And they'll be cast into the lake of fire. And that's it. This rich man is still in hell today. Waiting for that day. Along with every person that dies. Each day without Jesus Christ. It just keeps being filled with more and more and more lost people. That's the sad part. But as soon as he opened up his eyes. He remembered everything about his life. He remembered his brothers. He remembered his life before. He remembered who Lazarus was. He knew who Father Abraham was. See, some people will say, well, God will just wipe out your memory. No, he won't. No, he won't. See, that would be unjust. Right? If you if you put someone, if you sent someone to this place that had no idea why they were there, no, he knew why he was there. And I believe... Lazarus's testimony came to him over and over again. Just like if you go to hell, you will hear messages like this over and over again. You will hear the people that you loved in your life that witnessed to you. Maybe it was your grandmother, mother, father, somebody, uh, aunt, uncle, friend that told you about the gospel. You will hear that over and over again and wish you could go back and change the decision you made. But it'll be too late. There's no crossing over. There's no second chances. And for those that stand before Jesus Christ and that great white throne, those without him, that final judgment, Matthew 7, 23, Jesus told us what he would say. He would say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Get away from me, is what he'll say. So the question is, if you died today, where would you open your eyes? Which location? Heaven or hell? And again, it only depends on one thing. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with your sins? Have you trusted on Jesus? Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. But it's sad thinking about this, isn't it? I've said it before. I, I, I don't know who I heard this from, but it's been a long time ago. He said, Hell is not a nameless and faceless place. We know the people that are going to be going there. We know them. They're our friends, our family members, our co-workers. And I'm telling you, and you know by the truth of God's word, they close their eyes in death. What's this world do? Oh, they were a good person, right? They helped this, they helped that. They're just grasping at straws. What about Jesus? Amen. If they died without him, they're opening up their eyes in the same place in torment. Wishing that you could come 
and dip your finger in water and touch their tongue. And when we think about that, if we really stop and think, why aren't we sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ more than we did? Right? You believe this is true, right? You know you're not going there because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Then why aren't we telling people about this? Why aren't we warning them? Oh, it's offensive. I know it's offensive. But I'll tell you what's real offensive is if they get there and they realized nobody told them. See, that certain rich man was without excuse. He said, you son Lazarus, to my brothers, have him testify to them what he's told me. Maybe they'll make a different choice. Too many times we think, well, will they accept it or not? What will they think? What questions? No, what we need to do is just tell them the truth and let the Holy Spirit do the work. You and I are not, uh, I want to get it this through our heads because the devil tries to convince us otherwise. We are not, it is not a scoreboard like at a game. You know, at at a game, you've got the home team and the away team, right? It's not a scoreboard where if we've, been able to lead 10 people to the Lord, we're going to get a tenfold blessing or something like that. No, no, no. No, the question is, are we faithful with giving our testimony? Let God keep track of the score because it's He's the one who saves, not us. We've got to tell people. We've got to. But aren't you glad that nothing that we've done other than trust in Jesus Christ when we open our eyes We'll be with Jesus. Isn't that amazing to think about? What a blessing. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. If you were Lazarus in this story, would that person that knows you say, send them to tell somebody else? I know they know Jesus. I've heard the testimony. Can you just send them back to tell one more person that I love so they don't come here too? Are we a Lazarus today? Or are we worried about joining the certain rich man and faring sumptuously and wearing purple and everything else? Or are we worried about telling people about Jesus? I think that's what it gets down to in this story. Because I'll tell you what, who cares how we live down here in this earth? It doesn't matter. It'll be over that quick. And we'll be with Jesus. So we might have to endure a little pain. Some rejection. Some opposition. But who cares? We're saving somebody potentially from hell. We're going to open up the altar today. Ask Carrie to get us on. If you are lost today, you need to come to Jesus. I I don't know how I can make it any more plain by telling you what Jesus said will happen. I can't entice you. That's it. It's it right there. You will spend eternity in hell. I don't care if the greatest preachers this world knows that sell the most books tell you hell's not real. It doesn't matter. Jesus said it is. That's it. But he's just as real to save you today. But if you were saved today, who are we telling? Or who are we just not going to save because it's uncomfortable? And I'm putting myself in this. Oh, it's easy for me to preach up here. It's hard in person one-to-one, Right? When I'm worried about what are they going to say. That's hard for me too. That's not easy. How many am I just going to let go into hell. Without slowing them down and making them think. 
I don't want to anymore. How about you? As Carrie sings. Um.